Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, why are you in church today? And why did you join this church and not another? And what reason do you have for being here in these pews right now and not in the chairs of some other church at this moment? For those of you who have been Lutheran your entire life, why are you still here? And what's keeping you back? What's making you stay? And if anything is to change, what would make you leave? And for those who want to become Lutheran, why? How did you find this church and why are you staying? So I'm not going to have you answer these questions out loud right now, but you need to seriously consider your honest and heartfelt answer to these questions. And I'm sure that initially there are many different reasons to join a church or to attend a church. Uh, When looking for a church to call their own, many people will uh, find that church according to their feelings or their desires. So you can figure this out pretty quickly when you ask, so why did you join this or that church? They'll say, well, I can't really explain it. It just feels right or something along those lines. Others might say, look, I joined the church because this one makes me feel welcome. And of course, it's a good thing to have a friendly and welcoming congregation like this one. But this alone isn't enough reason to join a church. Others might say, look, this church reminds me of my old church, my church back home, and I just want to keep it consistent. I don't like change, so I'll go here. And to be honest, none of these answers are really good. In fact, they're pretty bad, if you ask me. Uh, I'll give you the best answer and the right answer to this question. So why do you go to this church? And the answer is because God goes to this church. And this is the best and only reason to join a church. You join the church that God himself joins himself to. You attend the church that he tends to. You become a member of the church where Christ's body truly is. This and this alone is the only reason to join a church. Even if the coffee is bad or the people are mean or the bathrooms smell, the sanctuary is lackluster, the finances are dwindling, whatever it might be, only few attend. The fact that God is in that church trumps all of the apparent deterrence. Because where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is also. Remember that the stable where Christ was born wasn't comfortable. It didn't smell good. There were only a few people there. And yet that place above any place in the world in that moment was the place to be that night. Because God was there. Wherever God is, that's where his people go also. So which church is it? Which church is the one that God goes to? Which church truly has the Holy Spirit? And how can you find it? How can you find that church? Well, first of all, some will believe that churches that truly have the Holy Spirit are churches where the pastor will perform a miracle or tell a prophecy or speak in a tongue or get an anonymous check in the mail for to save them from debt. But Jesus never promised these things. 
He hasn't promised, uh, he, he promised that his prophets and his apostles would prove the word that they were preaching with miraculous signs and wonders, but he didn't promise this gift to everyone or to anyone else. Jesus didn't promise to save you from your financial debts. People are oftentimes led astray by churches that have flashy signs and wonders. Some are led astray by the music and the feelings they feel. However, Jesus didn't promise these things. But what he has promised, you heard in the gospel lesson for today. He has promised the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And he has promised to tell you how exactly you will recognize him. And how you will know if he is truly in a church. The Holy Spirit is truly in a church when you hear of these three things. Jesus says, And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So this is how you know whether God the Holy Spirit is truly in a church or not. And if he is, then that's the church you should be a part of. So... The very first thing the Holy Spirit does in the word is convict you of sin. That is, he condemns your unbelief. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. And yet, being convicted of sin and unbelief doesn't sound comforting at all. It's actually very, very uncomfortable. Whenever you feel that discomfort from the word of God, that's called guilt. It means the Holy Spirit is working in you by reminding you what you should have done and exposing the things you haven't done. When you feel guilt over your sin, when you're convicted by the law of God, when the sermon crushes your heart and cuts you to the core, when the word of God exposes your idolatry, adultery, selfishness, ingratitude, covetousness, and all of your lies, then it's because the Holy Spirit is working through that very word. When your gossip and slander and refusal to come to church, your lust and your disobedience and your disrespect are called out as sins that God himself hates. It's the Holy Spirit who's calling them out. The word of God isn't dead. It's a living word because wherever that word is spoken, God himself is there. So when God's wrath against the sins mentioned from the pulpit embarrass you, and when it hurts you, when it causes you to be ashamed of yourself for what you've done. This is because you are indeed hearing the Holy Spirit convict you for your sin. He's doing exactly what Christ promised he would do. When you hear the words of the Bible read out loud, when it says be slow to speak and, and uh, be slow to anger and, and quick to listen. When you hear these words and it causes you to cringe or look away as you remember all of the times that you didn't do that. When it causes you to avoid eye contact or to bury your head or to furrow your brow, then you know the Holy Spirit is, un is exposing your unbelief. When you understand that you're a poor, miserable sinner and capable of saving yourself, then you know that the Holy Spirit is breaking your cold and callous heart. How many pastors and churches refuse to preach this word for fear of making members and visitors uncomfortable? And yet, 
You must know that whenever this word of God is refused, the Holy Spirit is refused also. The church that glosses over sin or ignores it and refuses to rebuke it and correct it is not a church that the Holy Spirit goes to. The first thing you must look for in a church is if God's law is preached, if sin is exposed and it's condemned. It's not the pastor's doing or anyone's doing. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes through this biting and destructive word of law to teach you that the root of all sin is unbelief, that the one who sins doesn't believe in Christ as he should. And this is how the Holy Spirit comes in God's word, with the word of law aimed at the dead center of your heart to expose the sin and filth and unbelief coursing through your veins. Now, if this were the only word that the Holy Spirit spoke, who could be saved? Who could argue with the Holy Spirit? Who among us would even dare to stand up and say, I'm not guilty, I'm innocent of all these things? When you hear this first word of the Holy Spirit, don't get up and run away. Because the Holy Spirit isn't done speaking. The Holy Spirit convicts you of sin and guilt, not to prove himself right, not to get a leg up on you, not to tear you down for some sinister reason. The reason the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin is so that he could convict you of the righteousness that he gives you in Christ. The reason the Holy Spirit works so hard to convince you of your sin is so that he could convince you that you need a Savior and that your Savior is here for you. The reason the Holy Spirit makes you so uncomfortable with yourself is so that you wouldn't find any comfort in yourself, but that you would find all of your comfort in the wounds of Christ who bled and died and suffered for you. If you refuse to call yourself a sinner, if you refuse to confess your sin, if you refuse this work of the Holy Spirit through the law, then you also refuse your Savior, His forgiveness. His holy and precious gospel. But the Holy Spirit has come to tell you that you are indeed a sinner. So that he could tell you that Jesus indeed has come to die for sinners. The Holy Spirit shows you that you have no way of saving yourself. So that you would rely completely on Christ for your eternal life. The Holy Spirit rips away every idol, money, fame, and good works from your hands so that he can place in them the perfect obedience of Christ and attribute it to you. He strips you of all you have so he can clothe you in the better and perfect righteousness of Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to tell you that the person with your exact name is a sinner. So that he could tell you that Jesus died for the person with your exact name. So this is the second part of the Holy Spirit's work. To tell you that Christ not only gave his life for you, but he picked it up again. That he ascended to the right hand of the Father. That he pleads day and night that the Father would not look at your sins and would not judge you by them. So don't defend or excuse your sin. Confess them. God wants to forgive them. Once the Holy Spirit shows you your sin and drives you to confess it, then he quickly comes 
to show you your Savior, to show you the blood that, that Christ has shed, to show you that he erased your transgressions as the nails were pierced into his hands and feet. Whenever you hear the words Jesus and forgives and you, the Holy Spirit is present doing his job. Whenever you hear those who believe and are baptized will be saved, the Holy Spirit is there working and doing his work. Whenever you hear, take and eat, this is my body given for you for the forgiveness of sins. There, the Holy Spirit is doing exactly what Christ has sent him to do. When you hear the holy and precious gospel of Christ say, for that you are saved by grace, for by grace you have been saved, not by works. Whenever you take those words to heart and you believe them, it's the Holy Spirit who is calling you by that gospel, enlightening you with his gifts and sanctifying you in the one true faith. So the first two things the Holy Spirit does is to convict you of sin and then convict you of righteousness. But there's a third thing. It's to convict you of judgment. And this third thing sounds bad. It almost sounds like it's the law, the gospel, and then the law again, or something uh, uh, bad, some good news, and then bad news again. But it's not the case here. When Jesus says that the Holy Spirit's work is to convict you of judgment... He elaborates and says, because the ruler of this world is judged. Dear saints, this is good news for you. Because the ruler of this world is the devil. And he is judged. He's defeated. The Holy Spirit has to tell us this. He has to convince us of this through his word. Because it doesn't really look like the devil is judged. It doesn't really look like he's defeated. It doesn't look like he's failing. In fact, when we look around, all we see is the devil's works and the devil's ways. You turn on the news and you see nothing but sadness and sorrow. We see families torn apart. We see infants murdered in the womb. We see addiction and scandal. We see natural disasters. We see Christian churches blown up and burned down. And if we only had our eyes to see, we would conclude that God isn't good. That he's forgotten about us, that he's weak. That he's left us entirely. But the Holy Spirit has come to tell us these things that we cannot see. To, to reveal to us the truth. To reveal to us the sin that we can't see in our own heart. To reveal to us the righteousness that we cannot see and perceive. And to reveal to us the judgment of the devil that our eyes cannot behold. He comes to show us things from God's perspective. That no matter how much it looks like the devil is winning and how it looks like he's in control, the truth is he's not. The reason the devil's tail swings back and forth tearing things down in this world is because his head is pinned beneath the nail-pierced heel of Christ. The devil isn't winning. His body is writhing in pain at his defeat. And though your eyes can't see it, the devil's head has been crushed when Christ's feet were pierced on that cross. Many times it seems like the prosperity of the wicked will never end. It seems like the devil will always have his way. Like the church will always be failing. But the truth is that the devil's days are numbered. His days are cut short ever since Christ gave up his final breath on the cross. So yes... You may hear the devil's temptations and lies every day of your life here on earth. 
but soon his mouth will be shut forever, and his tongue clamped between his fangs. For a short time, you have to endure the devil telling you that you're worthless, that you're sinful, that you're unredeemable. But those days are ending. No matter how loud the devil may sound to you now, the Holy Spirit comes here today, right now, in these very words, and speaks a word even louder than the devil's, saying that Jesus has died for you, that he has forgiven you every single one of your sins, that the ruler of this world is judged, and that Christ has judged the devil to be a liar. So don't believe a single word that the devil says or tries to convince you of. He can't tell the truth. He lies. He's judged. He's defeated. And the devil looks victorious. Remember that he's lying. So whenever you hear the devil's lies, run to the church where God's Holy Spirit is and hear the truth even louder as he declares and imputes to you all that belongs to Jesus, his righteousness, his innocence, and his blessedness. So dear saints, why are you in church today? And why are you in this church? Whatever other reason you had for being here, repent of it. Repent and confess that you need to be here because God is here. Learn to confess that you're here because His Holy Spirit is here. Because He's called you by the gospel to be here. Because He's convicted you of your sin, convicted you of Christ's righteousness and of the devil's judgment. This is why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that you would have the eternal comfort of the gospel that cannot fade or die. So even though Jesus hasn't promised signs and miracles in his church today, even though he hasn't promised feelings of euphoria and temporal comfort, what he has promised is that every single day he will be here in his word, ready and willing to forgive each and every single one of your sins, to not impute them to you, to remember them no more, to cast them in the depth of the sea to separate them from you as far as the east is from the west. So don't hide your sins or excuse them or defend them. Confess them to the God who wants nothing more than to forgive you all of your sins through the blood of Christ. Amen. In closing, listen to the words of Dr. Luther from his large catechism. He says, everything, therefore, in the Christian church is ordered toward this goal, that we shall daily receive in the church nothing but the forgiveness of sin through the word and sacraments to comfort and encourage our consciences as long as we live here. So even though we have sins, the grace of the Holy Spirit does not allow them to harm us. For we are in the Christian church where there is nothing but continuous, uninterrupted forgiveness of sin. This is because God forgives us, because we forgive and bear with and help one another. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.